0: Welcome
1: to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. Yes, She'll be the first to (laughs) say that. I'm Ellen and joining me as always is my mom. Hi mom, how's it going? Hi Ellen, it's going pretty good. Yeah, not too bad this week. Today we are having a free for all where we talk about whatever book we want and you do the same. But
2: first, mom, what have you been reading and watching? Well, I'm not going to tell you yet what I've been reading. Should I tell you now? No, don't tell me what you've been reading. Okay. What I've been watching. Weirdly, I've been watching a lot of psych. So when we were making cinnamon rolls. When we were making 30 pans of cinnamon rolls, lest that's... we forget. <laughs> so like all day. We wanted to turn on something that we'd seen before, but was enjoyable. And we could just kind of watch it, you know, off to the side. Yeah. And, um... So we put on Psych, started with season one, episode two. Because I always start with season two. The pilot's fine, but it's not my favorite episode. But anyway. Agreed. Yeah. Because um, Juliet isn't there yet. Yeah. Juliet shows up in Who cares? episode two. <laughs> if there's yeah. not love and love story yet, <laughs> why do I care? What what's the point? Yeah. So um and that just kinda got me hooked on watching Psyche again and Ellen's been like MIA when it comes to watching stuff with me, so <laughs> I didn't want to watch anything that she would be mad at me for watching. So I've been watching a lot of Psych. Also, we're doing a rewatch of all the Star Wars movies. When we went to Disneyland, we got a hankering to re-watch Star Wars. Yes. So we're watching them in the order that they are supposed to have occurred. Taken place. Chronological order. So we watched the first three, and we want to watch Clone Wars, but my husband doesn't want to watch Clone Wars, so we skipped... The animated series, the Clone Wars animated series. Um, So we watched episode one, two, three. Then we watched
1: Solo. Dad has a hard time committing to series, which Mom and I don't understand.
2: We don't get that at all. Because we will commit to anything. In fact, we'll stay up and watch it all night if it's... (laughs) And as you'll be able to tell from my watch of this week.
1: (laughs) um, Yeah, so we'll probably start that. And then that will probably lead into The Bad Batch and things like that. Um, yes. Um, I, this week, well, we've also been, well, we talked about 48, the first 48 last time, right? I don't think. Uh, yeah, we started watching the first 48, which is a true crime thing and it like kind of takes you for, through the first 48 hours
2: of it's an investigation. It's different in that there's no reenactments. It's all just yeah. real time and it's pretty cool to And watch. it's like real footage of them solving these murders. And some of the cops are... Nice-looking gentlemen. Yes, they are. <laughs> um,
1: and, yeah, so we've been really liking that one. That one's on Hulu. Um, so I continued on my K-drama Black Hole. Um, I, so last time I had finished Crash Landing on You, I think I had finished it last time, um, and I picked up When the Camellia Blooms, um, Which was cute. I didn't like it as much as um Crash Landing on You. But here's the thing. I love the hero in that one. He is the biggest cinnamon roll, like, ever. That I've ever seen on screen, ever. He is just such a sweet little... You just want to, like, hug him and also make out with him. It's... <laughs> Um I <laughs> love two things. <laughs> I love him. Um and yeah, so like he made it for me. Um there were she sometimes bugged me cuz she cried all the time. I think that's just now that I'm starting to like get more into K-dramas. I think that's just a thing that heroines in K-dramas do. Um is they're very emotional. Um but yes. I so that one was cute. That one's much more like heartwarming and makes you feel good about life and things like that, except that there's a serial killer in that, which I didn't love that storyline in that one. But that one was cute. And now I'm about halfway through Oh My Venus, um, which is on Hulu. And this one is interesting. It's I was telling mom, this show would get Crucified if it was if it aired (laughs) over here because it's got it's basically the premise is she is this lawyer who's kind of let herself go and she's overweight and literally it's an actress in a fat suit. Um, and she's not even she doesn't even look that bad. Um, not that anybody looks bad, but she doesn't even look that overweight. She is, but anyway, um, and then he's a trainer who's, like, this world-famous trainer, and he kind of, like, goes under a pseudonym. So, like, nobody knows that he's this, like, really famous trainer. Um, And so he agrees to, like, help her through some blackmail that she puts on him. And, um, of course, they start to fall in love. Here is what I will say about this one. This one is so swoony and so funny. And the thing is with this one, um, at least compared to the two others that I've watched it lets them be like way more physically affectionate with each other and it's like got way more innuendo and things like that in it um so it's pretty funny he is also pretty dishy um she's really cute and i've i've really been liking it so i like recommend with the caveat that there's a lot of potential triggering body issues um, I don't think that they always handle it super well, but I'm curious to see how it ends up and how they end up handling some of the issues that they're starting to address. Um, anyway, so that's what I've been watching, and Mom gets angry because she's not
2: involved. And <laughs> <laughs> well, you started down this hole without me. Well, you can pick it up. No. <laughs> but
1: I know you like to watch shows where you can play uh, games on your phone while also watching the show. It's the only way I can stay awake. Yeah. So you won't watch. I mean, I think you should watch this Oh My Venus. I think you would like it. I'm going to murder your dog <laughs> who's well. squeaking her toy. Um,
2: she wants attention. We're
1: trying to leave the door open and mom's dog is...
2: She's a toy squeaker.
1: She is a toy squeaker. Um, anyway, today we are doing yet another episode of what we call the free for all. How it works is that mom and I have both picked a book that we want to read individual from each other, which mom apparently doesn't like when we do things individually of each other. <laughs> no, but, we
3: do everything together. All the time.
1: Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about what the books that we read. And then um, we've also, most importantly, opened it up to you to send in your own, what I call book reports. And um, it can be about any book that you've recently read or whatever book you want to talk about. I don't care. Um, (laughs) And you guys, like, super delivered this time. We got more, I think, than we've ever gotten. Wow, look at that. Um, So you guys are awesome. And we're just really excited to, like, dive into this. And here we always... I mean, this episode always really... You know, piles up the, the TBR a great deal. Um, and so I'm excited to see what you guys have been reading. But first, Mom, I'm going to turn it over to you to talk about what book you read.
2: I read... Ellen recommended this book to me because she really thinks I would like it. And the name of the book is Naked in Death by J.D. Robb. J.D. Robb and Nora Roberts are the same person. <laughs> this is true. Um. <laughs> It's one of so, like her I think she's got like three different well pen she names there's or even a whole thing at the beginning of the book where she talks about you know she had this character in mind and she just you know when the publisher came to her and said you should do another pseudonym she um she decided to write a book about this character yeah um and what it is it takes place in the future it's funny to read it, it's like 2058 Eight. or something. Yeah. And um, it's funny to read a book that's set in the future that was written. In 1995. In 1995. Because, you know, they keep referring to things that happened in 2023 and 2022 and da, da, da. And it's like, yeah, none of that stuff is going to happen yet. And so <laughs> it's funny to read a book that's written in the future, you know, a while after it was written. Because yeah. it's it's just it just is kind of funny to... to well,
1: and it's always funny... Like, analyze what they thought When you was think about, be. like, Back to the Future or something like that, it's, like, it's funny what they thought was going to be, like... The thing. The thing. Like, nobody predicted smartphones.
2: Like, right. not really. Right. Like, that wasn't a thing that um, you see get Well, and in about. this, they keep referring to everything's on a disc. On a disc. It's like, okay, discs don't even exist <laughs> yeah. anymore. And... Um, so I think in 1995 no one realized that the internet was going to become everything and streaming was going to be everything and yeah. no one was going to do anything on disks anymore. I mean yeah. you can't even get a computer with a disk drive. Yeah. Um so that's all interesting and you know in, to read and you know and it's always flying cars, cars that fly. and it's like I don't foresee that happening anytime even well that's you know, yeah that's in, the, in the that's distance. another thing that it's like I don't
1: that that's not like a focus of ours
2: I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I get the self-driving cars. I think that's definitely going to be a thing. I mean, it already is, but yeah, I don't foresee uh, them flying. flying cars for a know, while ever until the Jetsons. But um, <laughs> anyway, I really liked. I really liked the main characters. I really liked her. So it's Eve Dallas and Rourke. We just know him as Rourke. And, <laughs> all you need to know. That. Um, he is a suspect in this murder. And so she gets to know him through work and through questioning him. And it always kind of comes up that maybe he was involved, that maybe he was involved. And then it becomes very obvious that someone was trying to set him up. And so she, you know, realizes he's not a suspect. He's not possibly a suspect. And so they hook up. baby. Yeah, they do. And, um... It's a fun story. I love the whole mystery thing about it. And, you know, I I love it. I love a mystery and a romance mingled together. And this really delivered on that. And I enjoyed it thoroughly.
1: Yeah, I remember because I, I read it a long time ago. It's another one of my early uh, forays into romance. And um, I just and. We thought I, it came close to making the list for um, the summer reading list, but there were books that got more votes than it. Um, And then when it didn't make the list. Yeah, when it didn't make the list, I was like, well, mom, you should really read this book
2: because I think you would like it. And um, so, yeah, so. And it was really fun. And I would say this is not a romance with a mystery. I would say this is a mystery with a romance um, aspect of it. But I mean, it's, it's pretty rough. So I would say there's trigger warnings. There's not really rape, but definitely, um, Assault. Yes, definitely. And, and hardcore murder and mutilation of females. So, um, yeah, but
1: obviously you can tell from our murder show binges (laughs) that we're not, completely of your verse to reading that kind of stuff. Um yeah, well, I'm glad you liked it. Do you think you'll read the second one? Yeah, I'll definitely read the second one. I there's
2: It's like 56 books yeah, in I like, this I series. I think I can commit to the 56 books. But um and I was telling Ellen I was like, "Man, I hope that as they make more um series out of romances cuz there's so much there." I mean, I don't there's think so much source material in, in romance. In in so many different romances cuz there's so many romance series that just have a plethora of books in them. Yeah. And it's crazy for Hollywood to turn a blind eye to that because like, especially something like this, this especially, could be an awesome series. Yeah.
1: And a series and it's like by Nora Roberts. So it's yeah. not like she's like an, a, not a household name. Right. Like everybody knows Nora Roberts. Um, Well, good. I'm
2: glad that you liked I did. I did. It was a a very fun read. Yeah.
1: Um, Okay. Now we're going to start to hear. We'll hear from me later in the second half of the show. Um, But first we're going to hear from Tiernan as to what she read for the free-for-all. So let's turn it over to her.
4: Hi, No Yomos. It's Tiernan. And I recently read The Float Plan by Trish Dohler, which is a book about Anna who is grieving the death of her fiancé, who committed suicide about 10 months prior to when the story begins. Anna receives a calendar reminder for the Caribbean sailing trip they planned together on her fiancé's boat. Anna decides to take the trip alone. After a terrible night at sea, Anna realizes she needs help and hires a professional Irish sailor named Keane. This is a slow burn friends to lovers with minimal angst. It is both a physical and emotional journey for Anna and Keane. We learn that Keane was in a car accident a few years before and now has a prosthetic leg. They both deal with their personal struggles as well as their feelings for one another. They have great chemistry and a wonderful friendship. Despite the heavy topics that the author writes about beautifully, this is an atmospheric and enjoyable story that definitely ends with an HEA.
1: Okay. Thanks for that Tiernan. Um, and that probably won't be the last that we spoiler alert here about the float plan by Trish Dohler. Um, yeah, it's, it sounds kind of women's fictiony to me. Yeah. Um, but it does sound good. And that seems to be kind of the, the new trend I think is there's a lot more kind of women's fiction in romance. Or maybe that's always been the case. I don't know. But um, that sounds good. And thank you for sending that in. Um, Next up, we have Sarah S. with her book that she read. So, Sarah, take it away.
5: Hey, everybody. It's Sarah S. here with my book report. Um, I'm actually not finished with this book yet. um, But I didn't have as much time as I normally like to give myself so um, I just picked what I am currently reading uh, and that's Lady Luck by Kristen Ashley it's number three in her Colorado Mountain series and I will read a summary for you so it's on the back here it says since birth Lexi Berry has had nothing but bad luck Orphaned at an early age, she had a rough childhood and a boyfriend who was murdered. Now the beautiful, stylish Lexi is determined to change her luck and her life. But first, she's got to make good on a promise to pick up Ty Walker from prison. One look at the gorgeous ex-convict and Lexi knows she's in trouble and already thinking about taking a walk on the wild side. For five years, Ty was in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Now he wants revenge on the people who framed him. Yet when the high-stakes poker player sees the leggy Lexi, he suddenly has other desires on his mind. When Ty tells Lexi that he's innocent, she tries to stop his plan for vengeance and help him become a better man. But as Ty battles his inner demons, dirty cops and criminals plot to take him out. Can he and Lexi find a way to escape the past? So, uh, as you can tell, it's got a bit of suspense in it. It's contemporary. Um romance and got that suspense thrown in and intrigue a little bit of mystery because you don't know, um, what he has done yet or what his plan is, um, to, uh, get revenge on these guys who framed him. Um, and it starts off right away, you know, she's picking him up as he gets out of prison and they're off. And, uh, I love books that you meet the main character, or the main characters meet each other right away. Um, so, it's it's really good so far. I had read, um, or like read half of, <laughs> the first book in the series, The Gamble. Um, and I ended up not finishing it. I didn't really feel the characters. It didn't really grab me. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of contemporary anyway, and it just was moving at a bit slower pace for me, and the guy was kind of a dick, um, and if you know anything about, uh, Kristen Ashley's writing, um, like, I, I, I knew that she writes alpha heroes, like, really alpha guys, um, so I knew that going in, and I wasn't turned off by that idea. You know, I love a good alpha. Um, but, you know, there's a difference between being, uh, alpha and just being an asshole. And I, I just didn't, I didn't expect, you know, a, a marshmallow alpha or anything. Um, but if that even exists, I don't know. But, um, he just, this guy was just, uh, rude for no reason. And it just was turning me off. This guy in Lady Luck, Ty, um, you know, in the very least, he has his reasons. I mean, the man just got released from prison and let alone he was in there for a crime he didn't even commit so i can understand the chip on his shoulder and why he's not completely forthcoming with lexi at the beginning you know like he's not lying to her he's just not telling her the plan so far um but then again she hasn't really you know hounded him too much about it um but you know she has her own reasons for going along with things <laughs> but yeah so he just just fair warning, um, if you are interested in, in this book, just know that the, the heroes in these books are alphas, um, and, you know, he is not the most polite guy, uh, he's actually really crude, (laughs) um, and just says exactly, like, there's no filter with him, um, but, so far, and like I said, I haven't finished. Um, he hasn't been, you know, downright nasty to her or like, you know, just really horribly rude or anything, you know, he just is a man of few words. And, um, I think that's getting better too, as, as we go on, but yeah, so I, I really connected with it with this one, because, um, more than the first, because it just, like, there's a reason for why he is the way he is, and, um, hopefully he'll only, uh, get better, um, but, yeah, they actually, um, have to get married pretty early on, that's not really a spoiler, because that happens, like I say, really early, um, and, like I also said, Lexi has her own reasons for going along with that, um, which, you know, I don't want to spoil too much, uh, but it's one of those, I guess, forced proximity and, um, you know, a marriage of convenience type things. Um, and they just have a lot of chemistry right from the beginning. So I just can't wait to see how things go from here and just how, you know, he opens up and everything. And, um, and plus, uh, like I said, there with the whole suspense thing and everything, there's like people, these, like the dirty cops are like, following him on their on their tail as they make their way to Vegas to get married and everything. And so it's like, there's some, um, you know, intrigue there of like, Oh, no, you know, people are after them. And so it's just, it's, it's really cool so far. So I hope um, it sounds good to you guys too. Um, And yeah, just, it's something that I never would have Uh, tried another book in this series, because I was so turned off by the first one. But I'm really glad that I gave this one another chance. Uh, And to the best of my knowledge, you don't have to read these really in any kind of order. Um, So even though this is book three, um, I could tell you that you might want to start with something like this one, because at least it, you know, is a bit faster paced. And you won't hate the hero right out the gate <laughs> at least i didn't um and by the way he's like this huge hulk of a man with like tattoos and just looks like he's a tough customer so i'm loving him <laughs> all right guys that's all for me so i can't wait to hear what everybody else has and talk to you guys soon later
1: thanks for that sarah um chris and ashley of the hookup Fame for us Um, she got our sexiest book of the year, our first year out, first year out, because it was our first um, time reading about anal together. (laughs) So that's how we think of Kristen Ashley. Um, but that being said, I do think that I, I've wanted to try another of hers because we liked that book. It was just, um, super awkward for Ellen. Yeah. Um, and because chapter 11 That's what we always remember from that book.
2: And my mom, like, had my dad read chapter 11. And, um... Well, I read it before, Ellen, and I was like, oh, Ellen, oh, Ellen. I was laughing when I was reading it, because I was just like, she's going to die when she reads this. And my husband was like, what are you laughing about? It was also...
1: It's also one of those things where I'm like, I wonder if we would be as bugged by it now. Probably not. Because it was early on in (laughs) in the podcast. Um... So, that sounds good. And I'm not opposed to a grizzled, gruff, Hulk of a Man uh, hero, Alpha Hole. You know, like... You haven't turned me off yet. (laughs) No. I'm I'm there for that. Um, So, thank you for that, Sarah. Um, Next up, we have another Sarah. This one is Sarah R. Last one was Sarah S. Um, And before you think that we're, like, going to have a Sarah of every letter of the alphabet. Those are our last two Sarahs. Um, but Sarah has a recommendation of three different books. So uh-huh. let's hear from Sarah.
6: Hi, no It's Sarah R. Today I'm reviewing three books by Hester Fox. The Witch of Willow Hall, The Widow of Pale Harbor, and The Orphan of Cemetery Hill. All of the books have a spooky gothic feel to them. The Witch of Willow Hall starts with the Montrose family moving from Boston to rural Massachusetts after a scandal. Upon moving to their new home, mysterious and ghostly things start happening. Lydia, the middle daughter, unravels the secrets of the past with the help of her handsome neighbor, John Barrett, who also happens to be the former owner of their new home. The Orphan of Cemetery Hill is the story of Tabitha, a girl who can communicate with the dead. Tabby is separated from her older sister after the two girls flee their aunt and uncle who want to exploit Tabby's power. Tabby seeks sanctuary in an old cemetery and meets a young man, Caleb Bishop, who will play a large role in her life in the future. Fast forward several years and Tabby sees Caleb at his father's funeral At the cemetery, she helps maintain with her adopted father, who is the caretaker of the cemetery. Tabby and Caleb become entangled in the web of a group of powerful resurrection men who are not above murder. They work together to clear Caleb's name so they can have their happily ever after. The Widow of Pale Harbor is about a sleepy main town which has been beset with strange unsettling happenings. The townspeople believe that only one person can be responsible. Sophronia Carver, a widow who was rumored to be a witch who murdered her husband. Gabriel Stone, the new minister in town, cannot believe the beautiful and smart Sophie could be guilty of anything. Gabriel is running from ghosts of his past and finds a kindred spirit in Sophie. Gabriel and Sophie discover the strange goings-on are based on the stories of Edgar Allan Poe. They work together to find out who is tormenting the town and also find love along the way. I read all of these books in a very short time frame. The Witch of Willow Hall and The Orphan of Cemetery Hill are probably more romantic than a romance. The Widow of Pale Harbor is more of a traditional romance. The relationship of Gabriel and Sophie is the main focus of the story, whereas in the other two books the relationship is secondary to the spooky aspects of the plot. Gabe in Pale Harbor is a really great tortured romance hero. Caleb in Cemetery Hill is an affable rake who turns over a new leaf for Tabby. I think these would be good recommendations for someone new to romance. Cemetery Hill and Willow Hall are both chaste books. Pale Harbor is low heat level. I love the gothic feel of all of these books. There is enough romance in them to keep a traditional romance reader happy. I also liked that these were historical, but had the added eerie elements. Happy reading.
1: Thank you for that, Sarah. Um, Sarah, I will tell you, just based off of like the covers and the titles, I was telling mom, I'm like, I think you're going to dig these books. Because they sound up your alley, or look up your alley. I literally just
2: pulled them up on Amazon, and
1: I'm going to buy <laughs> at least one of them right now. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, especially because we have our week break. So yeah, and I'm and I always forget after we've like done this. I always forget like what I really like. So I've been writing stuff down, and I'm <laughs> well, I'm taking notes. I am because I hate it when I go to have like open time when I can read. and It's like. I know there's stuff that, and I can't remember and I don't yeah. want to go back and listen to the episode. <laughs> it's too much work. Um, yeah. So
1: those sound very intriguing and a little off the beaten path from what we're used
2: to. I, I hate the idea of reading about Maine because I have PTSD for Maine <laughs> from living there, but, um, but I, am on board. I, I think yeah, I, I those, think- those sound really good.
1: Um, so thank you for that, Sarah, and introducing us to, a. A, a new thing that I think might be a hit for mom. Um, okay, up next we have Ruthie. So let's hear from Ruthie.
7: Hello everyone. This is Ruthie. I have been listening for a while. This is my first time submitting a book report. I am embarrassed to say how many times I have recorded myself. And the major problem is that I talk too long. So All of my recordings have been nine minutes, no matter what I do. So I'm going to skip all of the stuff that I wanted to tell you and just go to the meat of it because it's only supposed to be three or four minutes. All right. The book I am reviewing, reporting on, is Tempting Fate by Kerrigan Byrne. It is book four in her Good Girls Romance series. That is their last name, G-O-O-D-E. They are not necessarily good girls, but, I mean, they are good girls. Okay. Um, It is in Kindle Unlimited. I really, really liked it. Um, I have only recently gotten my library card reactivated. I live overseas. I have a bunch of rules for myself because I am a book freak I love to read so I have penny read exceptions on buying books but other than that I pretty much try to stick to my Kindle Unlimited because it's expensive when you translate the money over here so after I got my library card working I went straight to you guys group thank you ladies for the recommendations for some historicals because I missed them from back in the day and also the Sharks group and so Kerrigan Byrne came up and I read the whole Victorian Rebels series but I read it completely out of order FYI don't read the duke with the dragon tattoo before you read the other ones. Probably not. Well, at least not the first one. Um, major spoilers. So, but ignorance is bliss. I didn't know I was being spoiled. I really, really love Kerrigan Byrne right now. I love that she always packs the book. Like these Victorian rebels are usually like 400 pages. Um, this second series, the Good Girls series, is really more like 200. I kept not reading it, but uh, I saw that it was on Kindle Unlimited, but I kept not going for it because, I don't know, I just kept switching back to, I thought they were going to be light. And so I would say that books one, two, and three were a little bit lighter and shorter. um, And they were kind of what I expected. I didn't really have super high expectations, but they were really, really, really good. I would, I would recommend all of them, um, but especially book four. That's why I just decided to talk about it. Um, there was a little bit of drama because I finished up book three, and I was, I got she got me excited. I was really excited about book four um, because at the end of the book, um, so let's just say the Good Girls series is about four sisters, And book one of The Good Girls is the oldest sister. I think it's the oldest sister. She ends up with Detective Morley, who is of the Victorian Rebels. And that's why book seven of Victorian Rebels is the same as book one of The Good Girls, which can be confusing when you're looking, but it it clears itself up. So at the end of book three, so there are two twin sisters, the youngest uh, good daughters. And book three is about mercy and Mercy and Felicity have vowed that they don't need men. You know, they're never going to get married. So ha ha ha, we know how that's going to turn out. So at the end of book three, Mercy is happily paired off. And you find out that the older brother of her beau is horribly, horribly disfigured. His name is Gabriel. He does, his nose is missing. His mouth is so that he can't even really chew. He always wears a mask And at the end of book three, he saves the life of Felicity, the younger twin. And so that's your setup for book four. And he's been watching her from afar. And oh my God, she just carried and burned. She got me. And I was like, I have to read book four. I have to read it right now. It was like 1 a.m. And I was like, thank God that I have been staying abreast of the book news. And the, the book gods are smiling on me. And it's in Kindle Unlimited. And it just came out the other day. Well, guess what? It wasn't in there. And there was high drama in my life. I was refreshing, refreshing. This can't be. And I had to actually go to bed. I had to go to sleep at a reasonable hour, if you call 1 a.m. reasonable. And then the next day, it appeared in Kindle Unlimited. So you guys are book experts. Maybe she just had like a thing for the first day. It wasn't pre-order, though. It was released. So I almost broke my rule and bought it. But I didn't. Okay, so this is why this keeps going on. I actually cut out some stuff, you guys. Okay, so book four, we have Gabriel. He's horribly disfigured. At the beginning of the book, he has a surgery to reconstruct his face. And it's part of the brother's plan to get out of their, in air quotes, crime family that they are in. And so they need to fake their own deaths and Gabriel's gonna become somebody else with his own face so that he doesn't have to wear a mask anymore. So that's where we are okay? He's not wearing a mask, but he's still really disfigured and scarred. He can just now function normally. And so that's how he thinks of himself because he spent his whole life this way and he's been watching Felicity from afar and only really, really clever romance readers like ourselves can see that connection and that subtlety, only us. Um, So, That's how the book starts, is that you've gotten a tiny bit of a setup at the end of book three. And then book four, he has the surgery. She doesn't know that it's the same person. She didn't have a lot of interaction with him. Um, Felicity is a really great match for him. She gets anxious. She has panic attacks. Um, She's the youngest sibling of the family. She's been known to faint in stressful situations. Not swim, guys. Faint. Like, this is the real deal. As a matter of fact, at the end of book three, um, Gabriel saves her life and his mask slips off and she and she, she sees him and she faints. So why does he think she fainted? Because of his face. Why does she faint? Because she has a real problem. Okay, so you see, that's why I had to read book four. So now, major, major swoon alert. He's like, he thinks of himself this way. He could never dare to touch someone such as her. And in the meantime, she is just super sweet. He is sweet. Um, That's it. I didn't want to say all the words sweet like so many times in the beginning because usually when I hear sweet, I sometimes think boring, but that is not the case. It was just super swoony. Um, uh, So all this is set up at the beginning of the book. She hires him to be her personal guard. Like on the spot, there's a situation, willing suspension of disbelief, you guys. You just have to let it go. Just get through the first chapter. Um, Later on, he says... You know, why did you hire me? And she just says, I felt immediately safe with you. So that's what they do for each other. He's able to calm her in her panic attacks. And yeah. And of course there's sex because it's Kerrigan Byrne. But they're both virgins. And I found that kind of refreshing for historical. So there you go. I'm afraid to look at the time. I'm afraid to look at the time. I've enjoyed participating, guys, and I can't wait to hear what everyone else is reading so I can add to my crazy TBR list. Thank you, Public Library, Ruthie. You're killing me. Love you love the passion. You really paint a
1: picture. <laughs> I I was with you through that whole journey on Kindle Unlimited and just well, with and the feels for Kerrigan Byrne. I mean, we, we get that. You just know, last that we week
2: that. I talked about. Um, Business of Blood, which is Kerrigan burns mystery series that yeah. I started. We are um, Kerrigan Byrne stands in this house, for I sure. Would, I would love to read. And I remember reading the book, um, the last book of the Re- Victorian Rebel series, and I knew that it went into another series, but I hadn't ever picked
1: it. I've that. read the first book in this series about Morley, um, but that
2: is... Yeah, that's the last book of the... Victorian Rebel series, oh, which is what I was just talking about.
1: Okay. Well, I didn't. Well, okay. Because on Goodreads, it's listed as the first book in the series. And so I didn't realize that yeah. they were one and the same. Yes. So get off my back. Thank you. I will not. Uh, <laughs> I love to point out when you're wrong. <laughs> but Ruthie, I love that. Thank you for participating. It's fine that you went over. It's It happens. And, you know, it just adds to and the flavor. And we just sat
2: here and chuckled at your passion. It yes. It was awesome.
1: I loved it. Um, so thank you for that, Ruthie. Again, that was Tempting Fate by Kerrigan Byrne. I forgot to be saying what these books are in hindsight. Um. Okay, next up we have Raquel, who happened to be the winner of this summer reading cycle. So yes, she's she going to be on an episode um, with us next term, next cycle quarter. quarter there we go um so let's hear from raquel on what she
8: has been reading Hi, this is raquel for this free for all i picked megan quinn's the secret to dating your best friend sister this is the first book in the bromance club trilogy it was released in 2019 and it was my first time reading a book by megan quinn i'm pretty sure i got the rec from this book club, because you ladies are my number one source for romance. Here's a short description. Bram Scott met Julia Weston on his senior, senior year at Yale University at a frat house party. One could say he almost fell for her immediately, but there's one catch. Julia is Bram's best friend's sister. I know, shocker. And at some point, we learn in a flashback that Bram asked Julia out or proposed the idea of dating, and she turned him down, which she doesn't remember because she didn't take him seriously. In part, I think it was because Julia thought of Bram, her brother, Rath, and their other friend, Rourke, as frat boys slash man horse, and she's more of a nerdy type. Anyways, years pass, and Bram who is a very successful businessman, as 80% of heroes in romance novels are, decides it's time to make Julia fall in love with him. And after losing a bet on purpose with his friends, he signs up for Julia's overcomplicated, complicated almost ridiculous matchmaking system service. And that's when the story unfolds in the present. I liked this book and what prevented me from really liking it or loving it was the heroine. I don't want to go into spoilers because I do recommend the book, but I was incredibly frustrated with Julia, likely because I thought Bram was an adorable hero who was so smitten with her, adored her, and his intentions were pretty obvious. And by the time the conflict ensued, one of my notes was freaking rolling my eyes for the thousandth time. On another note, I think some readers won't like or care for all the bro frat boy talk, as that's the tone for Bram's POV. But once I either saw past it or grew used to it, I kept enjoying the book, so it wasn't an issue for me. And actually, one of the things I really loved was the bromance between the male characters. They made me laugh out loud a lot. When Wrath introduces Bram to Julia, he actually says, and I quote, Julia, I finally think I'm ready to introduce you to my other half, the man of my dreams, the shell to my pistachio knot, my best friend of all time, Bram Scott. I mean, I just love this, guys. And I would read the other books in the trilogy. Overall, I give this book four stars. I really enjoyed Megan's writing. There were tons of swoony moments. And she writes great side characters like Bram's assistant, Linus, who I really think should get his own book. He cracked me up a lot, um, so that's my book report. And I can't wait to hear everybody else's, so I can keep adding books to my TBR pile. Thanks. Thank you, Raquel. Um, so the title
1: of that book let's let's go over this again. It is the secret to dating your best friend's sister. Hmm.
2: Just your description, I was like, this is Ellen's catnip
9: <laughs> all around.
1: Um, yeah, I. So, that premise super intrigues me. I'm curtailed a bit by two things. One, you saying that the heroine pisses you off. (laughs) I don't know if you've noticed, but that tends to be something that we don't always love. Um, And also, I've been burned by Megan Quinn before. I haven't had the best of luck with Megan Quinn. Um, Like, the best luck I've had with her was like, oh yeah, I liked that. Um, So, that's just me personally, but... I know that people really like her books a lot. I just have yet to find one that really like resonates with me. Um, but it sounds like this
2: could be well. And he the gets one. super rich, and she's just kind of nerdy. Oh my gosh, Ellen, this could be your your <laughs> and story. He's been in love with her this whole time. Oh, I'm sure there's someone out there that's super rich that's been in love with you this whole time.
9: Oh gosh,
1: when's he gonna call me? Um, I don't know, but
2: I can't really picture any of your brother's friends. So. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't think so.
1: Um so thank you for that Raquel. Uh and yeah, I I'm, I'm intrigued. So it's going on the TBR. Um next we have one of two pages, page P with what she has been reading. So let's hear from page P.
2: Page P.
10: Hi, this is Paige. I'm calling in with my uh, book report. I read The Jane Austen Society by Nat- Natalie Jenner. Um, or Really, I listened to the audiobook. This book was definitely a love for me. I generally do not like audiobooks, but the narrator, Richard Armitage, helped me with this one. I can't believe how well he did all of the uh, different accents and genders, and his baritone voice for Dr. Gray was a swoon. Anyway, the story takes place shortly after World War II in a small village in England and it revolves around an estate where Jane Austen lived a portion of her life. The Jane Austen Society is formed to try to establish a museum for her in the village. So the story involves villagers as well as some outsiders as they work towards this goal. You read about their interactions and of course you have information about Jane Austen in her novels. Um, Although not a focus of the book, there are multiple HEAs and a very sweet epilogue. So if you enjoy Jane Austen and stories set in a small English village, I think you would love this book. It is a PG book and would be a great road trip book for the summer um, uh, if you're taking a road trip in mixed company. Uh, And who wouldn't want a road trip with Richard Armitage? So Um, I hope you will try this book and that you enjoy it uh, as much as I did. Thanks a lot. Bye. So Paige really had us with
1: two words. (laughs) (laughs) Richard Armitage. (laughs) Um, And spoiler alert on this front, uh, that's not the first time that Richard Armitage will get mentioned on this podcast. This is not the first narration
2: by Richard Armitage that will get mentioned. Even though XPG... I don't think I'd want my family in the car with me when I'm listening to I'm <laughs> reading just about anything. Um,
1: I know I've done it before, but I recommend Wanderlust with oh him gosh. narrating because it'll do things to you. It's delicious. At least it did things to me. Um, and Jane Austen Society, like just that title, is gonna is gonna perk perk my interest. And I like the post-war era thing because mm-hmm. we don't read a lot of books that are in that time frame, yeah. so. Um, so, and we are always looking, it might be hard to believe, but we are always on the lookout for PG books, so we appreciate that. So again, that was Paige with the Jane Austen Society by Natalie Jenner. Next up, we have, uh, two of two, Page Paige H, with what she's been reading.
11: Hey, Ellen and Mom, it's Paige H. Thank you for adding my voice memo and recording again. You guys are the best. Jess was amazing, and it was just a great episode, so thanks again. Moving on to the book that I'm going to talk about for this free-for-all this season. It is The Wild Mustang and the Dancing Fairy by Saffron A. Kent. I first read her in 2019, and I absolutely loved her, but in classic me fa- fashion, I didn't read her again until the beginning of this year, and I became obsessed with her couple that she had in the book. I'll mention it later. And when her little prequel novella, The Wild Mustang and the Dancing Fairy came out at the end of April. I read it at the beginning of May and just totally fell in love with the heroine. The heroine, Reed Jackson and Callie Thorne, loved them so much. And I felt myself starting to become low-key obsessed with them, So I'm like, I can't do this yet because their full-length book, A Gorgeous Villain, isn't coming out until June 3rd, and (laughs) I need to pace myself a little. So I decided to binge all of her books, and I guess I could have recommended one of the last few books I read, but they're all kind of age-gappy, and I know that that's not always a favorite. So I just thought that I would do... The Wild Mustang and the Dancing Fairy, because I really loved it. And even though it's a prequel and it's only like, I think it's 160 some pages, it's still got so much heart to it and just, oh, so many emotions. Like, Reed and Callie, they're kind of like Romeo and Juliet, but you know, (laughs) without the dying, because. Reed is Callie's older brother's rival in soccer. They're on the same team, but they're rivals, which is just silly, but boys. <laughs> and so, you know, Reed and Callie kind of have this forbidden romance sort of. I don't really want to give too much away. It's just really beautiful. Callie, she's a ballet dancer, and Reed just loves to watch her dance, and he has this line that was like, if you are dancing, I just have to watch you. That's not the exact line, but it's just really beautiful, and I love it so much. So you guys should read it. If you do read it and you start to become, like, OMG, I need reading Callie in my life right now, and I don't have them. You should read My Darling Arrow. That's the first book in the series. The series is called St. Mary's Rebels. And if you read the synopsis for that, don't be afraid. I know it sounds really taboo but I'm not typically into that kind of angst. But I will tell you that My Darling Arrow is the right kind of angst. That angst where, like, it hurts, but it hurts so good. It's, like, major unrequited love, and it's just so amazing. I love that book. And I love Arrow and Salem. They are (sighs) so awesome. Arrow can be a bit of a jerk, so just fair warning. But getting back to The Wild Mustang and The Dancing Fairy it's definitely probably the best prequel I've ever read so definitely check it out just check A Ken out I love her she's like one of my new favorite authors now I've binged all of her books and I'm sad that I don't have anything else to read but A Gorgeous Villain is coming out soon so I'm really looking forward to that I cannot wait and I think that's all I'm gonna say about that so Bye and I will talk to you guys later.
1: Thank you for that, Paige. Um, that's quite the title. Uh that was Paige with The Wild Mustang and The Dancing Fairy by <laughs> Saffron A. Kent. That's a that's quite the the attention grabber. Yeah. Um and you have me intrigued because I haven't even heard of Saffron A. Kent. Um, so I'm interested to check her out. Um Next, we have Natalie with what she's been reading. So let's hear from Natalie. Spoiler alert. This is a book that I considered reading for the free-for-all. But when I saw that Natalie was reading it, I'm like, well, I should mix it up. Um, So I'm already intrigued by this book. Let's hear what Natalie has to say.
12: Hi, Ellen and Mom and everyone else. This is Natalie. And I'm sending in a note today to talk about A Heart of Blood and Ashes by Mila Vane. A Heart of Blood and Ashes is a romantic fantasy and is the first in the series called A Gathering of Dragons. Our hero, Maddock is essentially the prince of this roving band of warriors called the Parsathians. When he finds out his mother and father, the king and queen, have been executed by a neighboring kingdom, he's truly devastated. He's also furious, but is prevented from killing that rival king Due to a tenuous alliance with all of the neighboring kingdoms. To exact his revenge, he plans to kidnap andor kill the king's daughter, who the king has kept hidden until very recently. He especially wants to carry out this plan once he finds out that it was the daughter who actually wrote to his parents and requested they come to that kingdom in the first place. But our heroine, Yven, the king's daughter, has other plans, and she talks him into a political marriage. Little does he know that she wants revenge on her father and brothers more than Maddox does. What comes next is basically a road trip of epic fantasy proportions. I didn't expect to love a barbarian romance this much, but Holy Cow, this book was awesome. (laughs) It packs a ridiculous emotional punch, like, the stakes are so high, (laughs) And the writing and characterization is exceptional. It has true enemies to lovers. It has a road trip. It has complex and compelling characters and a wide cast of characters. And it's all set in a sprawling, fantastically built fantasy world. A la Game of Thrones, but without so many misogynistic undertones. You do kind of want to smack Maddox once or twice because he's so stubborn. Um, but he's also strong and honorable and deeply caring. By the end of the book, all he wants to do is bring Yvonne the, head, the heads of her enemies. So he literally does. <laughs> but for me, Yvonne was the standout character. Physically weak and chronically underestimated, Yvonne is smart and cunning and wise and caring. She has been through more pain than probably any other character in this book. And yet she continues to persevere with grit and passion and hope. She's one of the best heroines I've read in romance, hands down. There are a lot of trigger warnings for probably a lot of stuff, to be honest. And I don't think this is necessarily a book you should reach for if you're wanting something lighthearted or low angst or fluffy. Um, I don't think it's a book that will work for everyone. But uh, boy, did it work for me. <laughs> I think if you're at all interested in fantasy or high emotion, real high stakes, that you should definitely take a look at A Heart of Blood and Ashes. Uh, thanks, and I can't wait to hear what everyone else has to say. Thank you for that, Natalie. Um,
1: so another reason why I chose not to read this one is because it was 555 pages, And, spoiler alert, again, I didn't even get through all of my book. So, (laughs) um, but that sounds really good. It does sound good. And you loving it as much as you did, also. Um, somebody originally shared, somebody recommended this on the page already, and that's why I had it on my TBR, and I can tell from reviews and stuff that I've seen that, um, people are digging on it, so I am interested to read it, and, um will maybe i'll even get around to it during our break week who knows i make no guarantees because apparently i'm on a K-drama kick right now
2: well and Um, i've got the other book that i want to read that's like 700 pages too
1: yeah there's a lot of those high fantasy books end up getting they're so good
2: but they they suck you in and then they're so freaking long yeah
1: it's true all of them um So, again, that was Natalie with A Heart of Blood and Ashes by Mila Vane. Um, Next, we have Nara with what she's been reading. So, let's hear from Nara.
13: Hello, guys. It's Nara. This week, I read a book called Dirty Hookup by Mita Lynn Kelly. Maybe it's a sports romance, I think, because it's about hockey players, but there's not much hockey going on. Uh, so this guy, which I forgot his first name, <laughs> the hero, he sees this girl. With, she's a friend of some of the play, his playmates, but he he feels attracted to her, and he can tell that she hates him for no reason at all. But that's what he thinks, of course. It's a romance novel, so they actually hook up, hooked up a few years ago and he completely forgot about her. So he's always trying to engage her in conversation and she doesn't give him the time of the day. Until she decides one day to see if her memory is that good, if he is as good as she thinks he is, and tells him, oh I'm gonna use you for your body. And we all know what's gonna happen later, they're going to fall in love, and she still has to tell him that they actually met in Mexico. He made lots of promises to her about meeting her parents. That he had never felt that way before and yada yada yada. And she still has to forgive him for that and find out why he doesn't remember her. And he still has she she has to tell him at some point. And this is kind of the conflict of the book. Uh, I actually liked it. was a pretty easy read. I think I read it just in one afternoon. It was a nice book. I recommend. Even when I was reading, I kept thinking that maybe this thing about the secret was dragging on uh, for a long time during the book, she not telling him. But I liked the way it was resolved, so I didn't feel like I wasted time like waiting for it to this part of the book to conclude and there was a sweet epilogue i think my favorite chapters were like the last two chapters of the book and that's it see you next time thank you nara
1: we always love to hear from nara and she always loves to hear how i butcher her name um <laughs> so thank you for that nara. nara you dirty girl with the dirty hookup um but that sounds yeah intriguing i i enjoy a good sports romance when i get around to them which is not always the case but again that was dirty hookup by mira lynn kelly uh next up before we take our break we have um miriam with her book so let's hear from miriam and her
14: cute accent <laughs> hi it's miriam here i'm going to try and keep this short as i've left at last minute as usual and um, I wasn't really happy with any of the options I was considering, so I went back to uh, Sylvester by Georgette Hare. I can't quite call an old favourite, as I only read it for the first time about two years ago, but I do love rereading it. So Sylvester, the Duke of Salford, is our hero. He's reached the age where he believes it's time to find a wife and settle down. He tells his mother this, and she's delighted, waiting to hear more about his chosen bride. But he first lists out the qualities he needs in a wife, and then mentions that, at first glance, he's considered maybe about a dozen ladies, but he's whittled down the contenders to a short list of five, and he wants her to advise him as to which she thinks best. His mother is shocked, both at the lack of any feeling and the arrogance of his assumption that whoever he chooses will just say yes. She muses on the fact that the only marriage arrangement she'd ever thought of for Sylvester was 19 years earlier, when her best friend's daughter, Phoebe, was born. Sylvester decides that he will meet this girl and marry her if she is in any way decent. However, first he meets her grandmother and father and the way in which they seem to immediately latch onto the idea of the match just riles him up. They were supposed to be a bit more subtle about it. So that before his arrival at her house, he's pretty sure he won't be making any offer. And meeting Phoebe does not change his mind on that score. Phoebe had not taken very well during her first season, she no beauty, and when in company, all the effort of trying to adhere to her stepmother's rules of propriety dampens any of her natural vivacity. Phoebe's stepmother tells her that Sylvester is coming to make an offer, as if it's a done deal. She had actually met and danced with him the previous year, and assumed she'd made no impression as he had blanked her the next time he'd seen her. No big deal, right? But Phoebe is panicking, and tells her former governess he's Count Ugolino. After her failed season, she had penned a novel, The Lost Heir, which is due to be published anonymously. She used various people she'd met as inspiration for her characters, and Sylvester, who has these very distinctive eyebrows, was the model for her villain, a wicked uncle who kidnaps his dead brother's son from his saintly mother. Of course, later on she's going to find out that superficially, at least, this has a lot more in common with Sylvester's situation than she ever could have thought. So Phoebe decides to run away to her grandmother in London and enlists the help of her good friend Tom Ord. Sylvester slips away from the house during the chaos of, of what everyone assumes to be an elopement, but comes across Phoebe and Tom in an inn while the snow is getting heavier and heavier, and thus the scene is set. Of course, there will be many adventures before the happy ending. And I just find this a delight to read any time I pick it up. It's funny. And you get, you just get totally invested in the love story. Okay, um, looking forward to hearing all of the other reports. Thanks.
1: Thank you for that, Miriam. Um, So I have read Sylvester by Georgette Hare, or I should say I've listened to it. And
2: why did you listen to it, Ellen, instead of reading it? Because
1: this is another one that Richard Armitage has um has narrated um and I don't know if we've made this clear but I like listening to Richard Armitage talk um so yeah I remember enjoying it and um I remember thinking it's like one of my more of the Georgette Hair ones that I've enjoyed more um we read Arabella for the podcast and I remember like enjoying it but we, not like loving it but Um, I think we really liked that one did we? Yeah. okay I can't remember you guys I don't know if you've noticed but um, I don't remember things um, okay so that is it for our first half we're going to take a quick break uh, and when we come back we'll just keep hearing from you guys and what you have been reading so stay with us It's time for a break. It's time for a break. The break is when we do the news and mail. This time, just news.
11: (laughs) (laughs) Just news. Just
1: news. So, what's the scoop, Charlie? Uh, We've got big news, which most of you already know. But we have our summer reading list out. So, our summer reading list is as follows. First up, on June 7th, we have The Bride by Julie Garwood, which we have talked about doing for a really long time. So I'm glad we're finally putting it on a list and reading a Julie Garwood book. Um, Then we have Managed by Kristen Callahan, um, which I'm excited to dive into because uh, you guys all seem to really love the hero of this book because he actually made it on to our book Boyfriend Bracket. Uh, then on June 21st, we are doing Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston, another one that's been long requested. Um, then we are, on June 28th, we're doing our movie, and I picked Girls Just Want to Have Fun, because I secretly love that movie, not so secretly, and it's really cheesy and stupid, but I still love it, and it's gonna be fun. Um, then we are going to take a break week on July 5th for 4th of July, just... Y'all have a great Independence Day if you are in the U.S. If not, have a great weekend. Um, <laughs> on July 12th, we are reading The Deal by L. Kennedy. July 19th, we are reading Nine Rules to Break When Romancing a Rake by Sarah McLean, which we love that book a lot. So um, then July 26th, we're going to be joined by listener Raquel to talk about The Soulmate Equation by Christina Lauren. August 2nd, we're reading Love at First by Kate Claiborne. August 9th, Twice Shy by Sarah Hogel. August 16th, we're going to read The Intimacy Experiment by Rosie Dannon. I'm thinking we're gonna be able to get Rosie to stop by again. Um, so definitely stay, you know, in tuned for that one. Um on August 23rd, we are reading People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. And then finally, on August 30th, we are doing our summer free-for-all. Um, so it's quite the lineup. Um, if you look at last summer's lineup, it's basically identical in terms of authors <laughs>
2: <laughs> that we are reading. Well, it's There's all their all their summer releases. Yeah. Um, Emily Henry, a Rosie Dannon, a
1: Sarah Hogle, a Kate Claiborne. I'm pretty sure those were like all on there last time um but that's fine and we're excited to read all those books we also try to stack kind of the newer releases towards the end so those of you who you know get your books from the library Mm -hmm. are able to uh put your holds in now and hopefully get around to them um when we are covering them for the
2: podcast in a timely fashion
1: Yep. And then our other piece of news is um, the April drawing for the Romance Around the World Challenge. Um, April was Southern Europe. And, Mom, I believe you have the winner for April. I do. The winner is Jen S. Jen S, who has been on the show before. So, congratulations, Jen. There you go, Jen. Um... So, congratulations to Jen. And then, just for your information, May is currently still a thing. Um, Still May. (laughs) For a little bit longer. And um, right now, the challenge is U.S. east of the Mississippi River.
2: So, there's a lot of those. There's a lot of them because it covers New York City, it covers Green Valley, Tennessee, it covers covers Georgia, (laughs) Georgia, right? Georgia's east.
1: Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. I'm, like, double-guessing myself, but... I know for a
2: fact that it is only...
1: Okay, good. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of states in there that... Wide breadth
2: of... Well, it covers a lot of the... Su- I mean, all the south, east... Yeah. And northeast... And the Mid-Atlantic States. Yeah.
1: So there's a lot in there. A lot of material to choose from. Um, so I'm thinking you guys can do that pretty easy peasy. So make sure if you do um, to put yourself on there and you might have a chance to win. You might and be the winner of the next, next time, one. And we'll be saying your name during the break segment. Um, so we wish you luck with that. And we're excited to read the summer reading list with you. And that's it for the break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye guys Welcome back. Um, we're excited to keep hearing from you guys, but we have to take a quick break to hear from me. Um, so I should say I'm so I'm gonna tell you about what I read or I should say what I'm currently reading because I'm about 55% of the way through it. Because I was really busy reading K dramas this week, um, <laughs> it's not like we have a podcast <laughs> or anything, um, and school and other stuff, whatever, too, Woo-hoo. whatever. Um, <laughs> so I've been reading *The Duke Heist* by Erica Ridley, which is the first book in her Wild Winchester series. Uh, this first book is about Chloe Winchester, who is one of the titular Wild Winchesters. In case you were wondering. Um, and they're, she's one of six orphans adopted by an eccentric baron when she was a child. Among her siblings are a master of disguise, an artist, an acrobat, a brother with a menagerie of animals. They're all over the place. And kind of madcap. And um, they're all currently mourning the loss, the recent loss, of their adoptive father. Um, in the process of recovering this prized family painting that now they really have some sentimental attachment to because they've lost their father. Um, Chloe ends up with the very duke she is trying to steal the painting back from in her carriage. Um, in order to case the joint to get the painting, Chloe has to get closer to the Duke of Faircliff and closer they do get um, and she begins to realize that maybe he's not the like ice cold blaggard that her family has painted him to be um this book is really cute i'm enjoying it a lot if i had one complaint it would be that it's a bit too lust at first sight for me because they just like immediately are like she's hot he's hot i want to tap that let's get after it it. (laughs) (laughs) and tap it. They do. Um, but they do still get some sweet moments in there. And there is like some genuine connection that is happening, um, outside of just the lust. Um, and I, but I really love her kind of zany family of eccentrics who delight in flouting the town. And, um, yeah, so it's been really fun. And, um, I, I, it's, it's cute, and I I've never read her, and so it's it's fun to read a new author and see what they're up to. Um, Would you recommend it for me
2: to read when you are done? Yeah, I mean, like you know, well, I've got a whole list of stuff here that I yeah, have I was to gonna say out. I'll
1: I'll let you know if I change my mind based on how it goes. You never know that never that, knows that never uh,
2: know. you know a little problem. The at conflict the
1: end could really shake could make it, make or break it. Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, so that's what I've been reading, and um, so far I would recommend. Um, so enough from enough from us. You guys don't hear from me. Um, let's hear, you hear from us all the time. Yeah, it's so true. Um, let's hear. I'm I'm hoping I'm saying your name correctly. You didn't say it on your recording, so that didn't help me. Um, but Medha, I hope that's I'm saying it. Um, and what she has
0: been reading. Hi Ellen, hi mom. I'm new to your podcast and relatively new to romance. I started listening and reading uh, in the last year to have a getaway from the pandemic. My gateway book was The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren and today I'm reviewing The Sweetest Fix, a novella by Tessa Bailey that came out in January 2021. Here's the description. Reese dreams of seeing her name in lights on Broadway, but so far she has only graced the used car parking lots of rural Wisconsin. With her window of opportunity shrinking fast, a miracle happens. She wins an audition with Bernard Bexley, Broadway's most respected dance choreographer. When disaster strikes and Reese misses the audition, she has to find another way in front of Bernard, otherwise face the disappointment back home. Following the sage advice of a Times Square Pikachu, Reese seeks out Bernard's son, prepared to beg for his aid, never expecting mega sparks to fly between her and the gentle giant Baker. With Reese's heart now involved, she refuses to use Leo to her advantage and tries to walk away before her ulterior motives are exposed, but gravity continues to draw them back together until it's impossible to stay apart. But Rhys's lie of omission can only stay buried for so long. When Leo finds out how their relationship started, will Reese keep her ultimate role as Leo's leading lady, or will the curtain fall on their real-life fairy tale? And I would say um, it's short, it's sweet, it's funny, and it's sexy, of course, because it's Tessa Bailey, and it is a little bit like a fairy tale. It has this kind of magical um, anything-is-possible-in-New-York quality, and I did learn the phrase "Howdy man-bear when I was reading this book. So, I would highly recommend this fun um, addition to Tessa Bailey's very large collection and a cute, fun story for the summer.
1: Thank you for that, Medha. Um Again, that was The Sweetest Fix by Tessa Bailey. Um, that was one that I considered reading when I was looking for a shortish, novella ish type book when I was cramming all the tests in. Um. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm intrigued, and yeah, Tessa Bailey, she gets she is hot and steamy. She does. Um. So I can I, I can get on. I think she's that.
2: also a winner of our steamiest moment award. She
1: yeah. You guys are really breaking ra- <laughs> up the steam. Uh, we see where you guys are. Going. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. Um. So next up we have Lori L with um, what she recommends for all y'all to read. So let's hear from Lori.
15: Hey, no yomos. my name is Lori and I'm a high school librarian. And at my high school, I run a romance book club. Ellen and Julie came to a virtual meeting a while ago and they were just as lovely and as funny as you would expect. Anyway, when we started the group, our first book choice was Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston, which is on the summer reading list and is a great book. The book that I want to recommend is Casey McQuinston's second book, One Last Stop, which releases June 1st. It involves time travel and found family in New York City. It also features the hottest subway sex scene you will ever read. It's about August, an insecure 23-year-old woman who moves to New York and meets this beautiful girl on the subway, Jane. Jane is stuck in the 1970s, literally, which is a huge problem. So the conflict is how to get Jane off the train. Actually, they both get off on the train, i.e. refer to hottest subway sex scene you'll ever read. Seriously, you will be fanning yourself. It's about being in your 20s and all the fears and longings that you have then. This book is full of great banter. The representation is also wonderful and features a diverse range of identities with a bisexual main character, lesbian love interest, gay, trans, queer side characters, drag queens, people of color, people of different sizes, etc. This book would be a perfect book to read this summer. So look for it; it's coming out soon. Thanks.
1: Thank you, Lori. We had such a good time. Um, I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or not, but we had a great time meeting with Lori's group, and it was they were delightful, sweet group. Um, and yeah, yeah, uh, hot getting off on the train <laughs> in more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, sounds intriguing and yeah we're super excited to read red white and moral blue i know people love it and um yeah so that sounds like um a good addition to the romance with representation um catalog uh and i'm excited to read our first case mcquiston this summer with y'all. Um, so thanks for that, Lori. Again, that was One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. Um, next we have another Lori with a book that might sound a little familiar. So let's hear from Lori W. Like-minded Lori, as I like to call her.
16: Hi Ellen, Mom, and all the no-yomos. This is Laurie, and I'm going to tell you about Float Plan by Trish Dollar. It's a fairly new release that came out in March of this year. Okay, here goes. So this is the story of Anna and Keen. Um, She's still broken after her fiance's death by suicide nearly a year ago, and so Anna decides rather impulsively to take the sailing trip through the Caribbean that they had planned to take together. After a daunting um, first leg of the trip, Anna realizes she is in way over her head, so she hires Keen to help her sail the rest of the journey. Having lost part of his leg five years before, Keen is all too familiar with loss. Life as a professional sailor is all he really knows or wants, but his disability is a liability for someone in his profession, so he is struggling to find work. Anna's slow journey out of the depression that has been her constant companion is really bittersweet. Learning to make space for the future when you don't really want to let go of the past is such a precarious thing, but Anna does learn to navigate her new path forward, and the truth is, Keen has been head over heels for her from the first, but he knows that she's not ready for a relationship yet. He recognizes her grief, and he is too good to do anything but just be her friend, until she recognizes that she's ready for more, which of course she eventually does. Um, This is a slow, sweet story with such thoughtful insight into both of these characters, despite only having a single POV. The emotional journey felt so genuine and real. Anna grew so much, but nothing about her story really ever feels preachy or didactic. The author never really tries to come out and say, this is how grief works. She's, simply trying to say, here's a story I want to tell you about this particular woman and how she lived with and worked through the grief of losing her fiance to this particular set of horrible circumstances. The subject of grief can be such a challenge in romance, I think. I mean, for a universal experience, grief is completely unique for each person and each loss they experience. And I felt like Anna's journey through her grief is one of the most authentic I've ever read. The author didn't just tell me Anna was grieving. She showed it in very real ways. There are moments where she is barely able to put one foot in front of the other, but you're also allowed to see the moments where Anna hesitantly gives herself permission to begin living her life again. Keene was really such a good man. He is wise and thoughtful and so very insightful. And, What's not to love about a cinnamon roll hero with a really great Irish accent? (laughs) Whether it's because of his own unique loss or it's just the way he's wired, Keane recognizes Anna's grief for what it is. He never tries to fix her, but he just seems to instinctively understand how to support her through all of it. And it is just so beautifully done. I was happy that even when their paths diverged near the end of the book, both Anna and Keen respected each other's choices, and they quickly decided they needed to course-correct, quite literally, because of their love for each other. And like Anna tells Keen, she realizes that she could live without him, but that doesn't mean that she ever really wants to have to do so. I loved how the island hopping nature of their journey allowed for people to drop in and out of their story in a really organic and natural way. The setting on the boat is really kind of intense at times. Sailing is very clearly hard, hard work and not for me, but the islands they visited sounded absolutely lovely. And I will be honest with you, if you are in the mood for a nice fluffy rom-com, you're gonna wanna save this book for another day. I have to be in the right headspace before I can read a book if the word bittersweet is used anywhere in the description, because that's usually code for this book is going to make Laurie cry a bucket load of tears. And that was true here. (laughs) This book is absolutely emotional, but to be fair, I don't think it is ever overly angsty. It hits that Goldilocks sweet spot of just right. Um, I listened to this book on audio, and I really enjoyed it a lot. The narrator, Sarah Naughton, she did a great job with the single POV, and I thought she handled Keane's Irish accent really well. There are some mispronunciations of some of the locations, but I I was aware of that going in, so I, I didn't find it to be too bothersome. This was a great standalone book from an author I wasn't previously familiar with. I haven't read anything from her backlist, but I absolutely intend to read other books by her in the future. And that is my book report on Float Plan by Trish Dollar. These free-for-all episodes always add so many great picks to my TBR list. I cannot wait to hear what everyone else has been reading. Thanks. Bye. Laurie, I've been
1: saying your name wrong all this time and you even have like a nickname on the show. So you're now like-minded Laurie. Um, so um, here's the thing, you guys, I love all of you, but I'm, if Laurie recommends a
2: book, I'm probably going to like it. Cause I always agree with Laurie. Um, if, if Ellen's ever, like, incapacitated in some way. Laurie will have to come and do the, the podcast. podcast with me. If I'm lying in a coma, <laughs> Laurie can do the... Sorry, Ellen.
1: <laughs> but and, I got stuff to do. And then Mom will realize that she likes Laurie better than me, and that will be, you know...
10: It won't be
1: hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, Laurie, I appreciate it. Um, The book sounds good, uh, according to you and Tiernan. Um, So... You know, two recommendations for one book—that's that's, that's book. quite the it's quite the vote of confidence, um, and yeah, if it makes—I I'm also well. It depends on like my mood, on what hits me with the crying buckets of tears, but I'm also. Prone to do that sometimes.
2: I'm super prone to do it. Yeah, mom is very prone. Plus, I'm not that, as heartless as Ellen, so
1: that's true. Um, Actually, I don't know that that is true. I think I'm you're more heartless than me. There's a lot of things I'm more heartless about, <laughs>
2: but usually books make me cry more than you.
1: Yeah. Um, So
2: again, that
1: was Laurie this time with Flow Plan by Trish Dollar. Um, so thank you for that, Laurie. And um, next we're going to hear from Catherine. On a book that is familiar to me and mom. So let's hear from Catherine.
17: Hello, hello everyone. So excited to listen to all of your book reports. And I'm going to start out by giving a shout out to the book I wanted to be reading for this week, which is *Hanukhan Carries On by Uzma Jalaluddin. It's no secret that I am a huge fan of Aisha at last and I'm so, so, so excited to read her next book. I've read the sample, and I'm really pumped up for it. It's about a podcaster. Obviously, she hasn't had a book out since I shot last, so this is very exciting. But alas, the library Hold Fairies were not on my side for this one. Three more weeks, and then anyone who wants to chat about it, please hit me up, because I will be wanting to talk about that one. So, obviously... Any book that I was going to do a book report on would have a lot to live up to, so it's a very good thing that the book I chose was From Look of With Love by Mariana Zapata because wow, what a book. Oh my gosh, so good. I guess spoiler alert, very good book. All right, so Jasmine Santos is a ice skater, a figure skater, and she's currently out of the competition circuit because... She was unceremoniously left by her last pairs skating partner and her enemy and his coach come to her with a proposition. She'll skate with him for one year and at the end of that year, they'll find another partner for her to skate with and she can get back into the game. And the other thing is that Ivan Lukov is the best skater. Pairing with him might finally get Jasmine the win she's been working toward forever and ever could pay off all of her family's sacrifices all of her sacrifices blood sweat and tears getting that gold finally after all these years the problem is that they hate each other's guts and partners have to be able to trust each other enough to be thrown in the air or to have someone else's blades on their feet up in the air these blades right by where your face goes so that's going to be tricky for them It's so freaking cute. His coach sits them down, and in any other story, she'd be like, y'all should fake date. And in this story, she's like, you should act like you tolerate each other. And it sounds so low stakes, but it does not feel that way to them, and that is so funny. And Jasmine is a really good character. I loved being in her brain. You know, because you're in her point of view, you know that she's smart and loving and all these great things, but the world doesn't see her that way. And I really get upset when the world values intelligence incorrectly or doesn't see different types of intelligence. And so I liked that you can clearly see that she's intelligent, but the world is being a jerk and doesn't realize that and um also just like the part where she's just so loving like she's a grumpy she's a grumpy hero uh heroine and they even call her grumps or grumpy um but ivan just loves her so much and it's just so good and i'm sure you guys have read it but i don't remember there being a podcast on it it has everything that ellen loves it has the best friend's brother. The grumpy hero and in this case a grumpier heroine and it has a sickbed scene which actually goes on for a while um it even has someone not being able to stay late because they have to take care of their pets which obviously is something that you've talked about on the podcast before so mariana zapata is known for being a slow burn genius and that's for a reason I like that she lights the fire on the first page or in that first chapter. Like She's not saying slow burn like, oh, the romance starts at 50%. She starts it right away, but it's just so slow and you're watching it grow and grow and grow and all of a sudden it's 87% and they're kissing and you're like, how does that happen? But you've been watching it build up this whole time and it's the best feeling She's so good at it, and I think if you want to do a slow burn, she's like study her. I mean, that it's just really great. Um, and then the one thing I'm going to stop doing is reading Amazon reviews of her books before I read them because I feel like it's overpowered with people who really just want to reread The Wall of Winnipeg and me, and if you want to reread that book, then reread it. That's what comfort rereading is all about. If you want to read a different book, like this amazing book, then do that. But if you need to reread your other book, don't read, don't leave a review on Maria Zapata's Amazon page so that the rest of us readers are like, oh, it doesn't seem like it's very good. No, I'm not going to read them anymore. I'll just read all of her books from now on. Um, So I highly recommend From Look Off With Love if you haven't yet. It's so swoony, so good, and... Weirdly, this is the second book I've done for book reports that is set in Houston. I didn't realize that until 75% of the way through, but obviously my plan was to read a Canadian book instead, but I'm so glad that this is the book that I ended up reading this week because it was so fun to read. And I am just thinking of all of y'all, I know that we're all in different places and different countries and I don't know exactly how everyone's country is doing when with regards to COVID and everything in the world but just sending so much love to each of you and I'm excited to hear what books you read take care
1: thank you for that Catherine um agree and yeah we have sports romances first of all and then we haven't um done that one on the podcast but I remember when we both had read it we talked about it um kind of in the beginning like we do um, and I, am yeah, I will go on record and say that that's my favorite Mariana Zapata, and I agree. I think that people like to compare it too much to Wall of Winnipeg, and that bums me out because I actually like this one more than Wall of Winnipeg. That might be, uh... Controversial? Yeah, it might be an unpopular opinion, opinion but I
2: really loved From Luke Off With Love by Mariana I Zapata. I loved From Luke Off With Love, and, um, in fact, I think... He was even up for an award on on that year, even though we didn't do it on the podcast. Yeah. But um and I can't remember which I like better. I know I like both of them quite a bit.
1: Um I and part of it might be because going into From Lukov with Love, I was like, Okay, a figure skating book. Yeah. Okay. Lame. Um, <laughs> but I yeah, everything you're saying, completely true. So swoony and I really, yeah, and like you said, it's got a lot of my catnip in it. Yes. Um, so, I do remember
2: the sickbed scene. Yeah. And, I don't
1: uh, remember the going home for pets, which I appreciate. And I know that Mariana's a pot, because I know she's got, like, two Great Danes or something. So I know she gets it that you got to go home for those dogs. She must be from dogs. Texas, she is, yes. all of her books are sent she, in Texas. I'm pretty sure she lives in Austin, so, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I totally concur, and if you haven't read *From Luke Off with Love*, definitely give it a try. And maybe someday we'll do that book. It's so good. because I but we also do get really irritated
2: when people, you know, love an author's book, and then every book after that they compare to that to, to that one book. And it's at, like, you see know. Sally Thorne, yeah, or, Sally Thorne. Um, it happens all the time to her because everybody wants to read another. There's a lot,
1: a lot of those books where like their first book or like an early book really blows up. Um, they, yeah, I feel, I really feel for them because I think that then they just are always getting compared to that, to that first book. book. Yeah. Um, so.
2: And as an author, it, it, you would want to branch out and do something different. Yeah. So, you know, to just expect them to write the same book over and over and over again would be sad. And... Yeah.
1: But definitely concur with From Luke Up With Love. I, I love that book. So I definitely recommend you check that out in addition to Catherine doing that. Um, next up, we have the, the dynamic trio um, <laughs> of Jessica, Jason, and Megan with what they have been reading together, which I love that they do that. And I say that every time, but I, I still love it. Um, so let's hear from them on their Zoom conference call about what they have been up to.
3: Hi, Ellen and Mom. It's Jessica. Jason and Jason and Megan. (laughs) Yes, and we are here to tell you about our latest read. Um, as you know, we read books together all the time, and sometimes we read a book that is Jason's favorite, or Megan's favorite, or my favorite, but sometimes we read whole series together. Um, and we read like two books a month of the series. So we are four books in to a series called Shifters Unbound. By Jennifer Ashley, and we love her Mackenzie series, so we wanted to check out her paranormal. So, the fourth book in the Shifters Unbound series is called Make Claimed. That's what we read for our book club entry this uh, this time, and we have to give you a little bit of backstory and summary of the book in order for you guys to understand what we're talking about when we say what we liked and didn't like. So, in the Shifters Unbound world. There are three types of shifters. There are bear shifters, cat shifters, and wolf shifters. And the humans know about the shifters, and the humans sort of persuaded or forced. It's kind of hard to know exactly how it happened. More forced, but the shifters could have fought back, and they a lot of them went willingly um, to uh, sort of be subjugated and segregated and oppressed basically like they have to live in these shifter towns. They have all of these rules that feel a lot like, you know, either Jim Crow rules or the rules that happened to Jewish people during the Holocaust. It's like they ha- they can't have certain technologies and they can't go to certain places and they can't have certain kinds of jobs and they have to do something called take the collar, which means they are wearing a collar around their neck. And if they have any adrenaline, go into their body like they're about to attack somebody, then the collar shocks them. So that's how they're controlled because the humans are afraid of them. The humans think that if shifters are not controlled by the collar that they'll just turn into their beasts and they'll kill everybody. And so some humans are really nice to shifters and interested in them and wanna help them. Other people think that they are literally animals. Like they're not people that turn into animals, they're animals that turn into people. So they get a lot of discrimination. And so it's kind of a heavy backdrop for a paranormal, and we'll I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So that's sort of the backdrop. In this particular book, we have Eric is our hero. He is the leader of a shifter town. He's the head of his clan. He's the most alpha. He's a cat shifter. And um, he has discovered this girl who is an uncolored shifter that means that she's not wearing a collar it means the government doesn't know about her it means that one she could be in a lot of trouble if the government finds out about her and so could her family she's half shifter and that's how her mother was able to keep her secret because her mother's a human and her dad's a cat shifter um and then two if she doesn't like do the things that her instincts are telling her to do as a shifter she's gonna go feral and if she goes feral it's like going mad like the beast will take over and she can't She can't, like, be a human anymore. So she suppresses all of her shifterness because she doesn't want the humans to find out about her. She Oh, humans can't own businesses. They can't own homes. Um, So she owns a business with her mother, and she owns a home. So she doesn't want to give that up if she declares herself a shifter. So he is trying to protect her and convince her to come into being a shifter because he wants to be her mate and have her be his alpha female. And that's kind of the setup for the story. And I think Jason is going to talk about what he liked first.
18: Okay. Uh, I liked the book probably more than the two ladies did. Um, Although Iona, who is the heroine of this book, gets a little grating at times. The book sets up her as a strong woman and sets her mother up as a strong woman because they own a construction company, yet they know that they could be in trouble at any time for keeping her hidden as a shifter. And I understand not wanting to give up the business and I understand, you know, not wanting to be made to go to shifter town, but, but there are physical things that happen to her. Like her senses are starting to get big and her, sm- her sense of smell, she's becoming, or she has to run more. So she realizes, or she should realize that she's going to go feral or be in trouble soon and yet she continues to not want to come into the shifter town, so she can be a little great in the town, but all in all, she, she's a good heroine. Eric is an exceptional hero in this book um, because he he's trying everything he can to ease her into shifter town instead of just going and getting her, because um, we met her in a, previous book when she was putting out so many pheromones at a bar that she couldn't pass for human if any shifters were there, so it wasn't like, this is something subtle. I liked most of this book in the series, however, this book had several plots trying to weave together that got a little bit, we had a government plot, there's my puppies, we had a government plot along with them closing another shifter town and merging them together. Uh, I think this book We're setting up for some future books, but we got introduced to New, a second Alpha that'll be in the town, and his character, I think, will probably get a book somewhere down the road, and that might be interesting. Mm -hmm. But we also met a really interesting character, a guy that's been raised, a tiger that's been raised in a cage, so I'm very looking forward to his book. But a whole world that she's built here is... It's a little depressing for a Paranormal, but it's it's really well done. The writing of this book is exceptional. It's just there is a lot going on. But Eric, I mean, I don't know when she's not being silly, is a is a fun character. And Eric, Eric carries the book. So um, it's a good three-star book. I mean, it's a good read. It's just not... A great read, because a lot of times you read Paranormal for the fun or the bonkers or the escapism in Paranormal. And this one's kind of like the world she's built is this reservation type where they're all, you know, oppressed and they're second class citizens. So sometimes you get weighed down in it. But I did like the book, even though it didn't seem like that once I got to talking to it. But uh, I did like the book, so I'll pass it over to Megan.
19: Well, I have to say, just the fact that Jason only gave it three stars, like, tells you how the book is. So, I'm really, because Jason struggles with three-star ratings. He's he's a four and a five, uh, uh, and, a you know, that's his jam. So, and he's a paranormal king. I have not been in love with this series, as Jason and Jessica know. Um, I've been struggling with it. The writing is good. I mean, if you've read Ian McKinsey or any of the other McKinseys you know Jennifer Ashley's a great writer. The world is very interesting, as Jessica described it. it the idea of having to wear the collar and it's suppressing their shifter instincts and, and stopping their aggression is very interesting. I just find I don't care at all about the books or the characters in general. <laughs> The characters that it's focusing on in each particular book. So, like Jason said, these two characters were actually introduced in the last book with characters that I didn't care about. But I thought this would be interesting. I thought Eric and Iona were interesting in the last book. And I thought they were the only interesting part of that book. And then when we got to their book, I didn't think they were that interesting. Oh, I'm really having some struggles over uh, getting through the series. Um, like Jason said, it's pretty depressing and pretty uh, not normal. It's not very normal for a paranormal series. I feel like most paranormals are either going to be lighthearted and fun or... Or if they're darker, they're just like straight up bonkers and crazy plot twists all the time. And there are like some big action moments in the series overall. And there were in in this book as well towards the end, right at the end. Um, But it's, there's supposedly this big overarching plot going on, you know, so that the shifters will become unbound as the series is titled. But, it's going so slowly towards that. And mm. the stories themselves, I feel like, are so slow that, like, for 75 to 80% of the book, I'm bored. Plus, the, the women, the female characters are really resistant to the males. And I just, like, that That's irritates me. It irritates me to no end because they are, like, in their brains thinking how much they're, like, into the hero. And and it feels, like, the same in each book. And that's what's really starting to really get on my nerves is that they're so resistant to, like, the idea of being mate claimed as this book is called. And yet, like, they're so into them. It, they're so into the guy. And it's just, like, I, I, I'm over it. But and the guys are, like, all in, they're, they're all, all the guys so far have been, like, um, I'm here for it, we're, we're mates, let's go, and we're so, doing this, we're doing this, when you think, like, a typical male in a, typical alpha male in, like, other stories are, like, resistant to finding their one true whatever, but I don't know, I just, I'm not loving it, it's, Three stars for me for sure because any it, only if it's the three stars because the writing itself is good. It's you can't do below a three star because nothing makes me mad about the book because Jason it's just is kind of, of, kind of test that I get mad, but it, it's just meh like I don't care. But then like right at the end, she introduces a character that makes me like, oh, I do want to read the next book because the next book is Tiger's book. And his name is straight up Tiger because he grew up in a cage and he's a tiger. And he has nothing else about himself. So his name is Tiger. That's just crazy. Like, now i got to know about Tiger. But, like, I don't even like these books that much. I just have to know what happens. So that's where I'm at. And then just FYI, Graham, the other alpha, is the book after that. And he met a human in this book. And now I want to know their story. But I know I'm going to get into it and it's only going to be a three star book because I'm just going to be bored most of the time. I had to force myself to finish this book. So, and I'm about seven days late on our schedule. So, you know. Which is usually
3: me who's seven days (laughs) late. Yeah, I'm usually
19: on the day of or the day after with Jason. So, this is unusual for me.
3: Well, and this was a little bit different because in the past book reports we've done, it's been like one was my favorite book, one was Megan's and one was Jason's. So we, like at least one of us were going to like it. This was the first time like we picked a book that we, none of us had read. So we didn't know what was going to happen. So unfortunately I would say that we just tepidly recommend this book. But um, I do think if the world sounds interesting, to you then try the first two books in the series i can't remember what they're called but it's the shifters unbound series by jennifer ashley the first book sets up the world and the second book is really good and then, then yeah, it kind the of takes back down
19: very good especially yeah. right at the end it was like <gasps> i know we were sending marco polos back and forth and i was whining and complaining about the main character the female main character and then literally like the next page i was like sorry guys Everything just got fixed.
3: And <laughs> everything just got fixed. No. So, yes. Yeah. So, sorry that this is not as exciting of a recommendation as they normally are, but... Um, At least we've told you a series that you may want to steer away from if you're a paranormal reader. And um, it makes us sad because we love Jennifer Ashley. We're going to read, I think, maybe two more in this series. And then we're going to call it quits and move over to those McKenzie's because we love Ian McKenzie.
19: And after we finish with the McKenzie's, our next foray is going to be in the most straight-up bonkers books. We're making a list. And so if anyone has bonkers books to recommend us, straight up banana pants, give us a recommendation.
3: Bonkers as you can get. All right. Bye, Ellen and Mom. Thanks. Bye.
1: Bye. All right. Thanks, Jason, Megan, and Jessica. Um, Just a little uh, behind the scenes there. I was having technical difficulties for some unknown reason getting your guys' file to upload, so I had to, like, play it and record it. So, if you hear mom or dogs breathing in the background... <laughs> um well, Was I not supposed to breathe? <laughs> Is that how I was supposed to handle that's that? That's why. Um, so, bit of a lackluster on that one. Here's the thing. Here's my history with those books. Um, I... So, when I first read The Mackenzie's, which was early in my romance days, um... I also was like, okay, I really loved this series. Let's check out something else by this author. And so I picked up the first book um, in the Shifters Unbound series. It's called Pride Mates. And I actively disliked it. Like, actively. <laughs> like, near hated it. Um, and it was in this phase where I was writing reviews on Tumblr and Goodreads. Um and I, so I have a review of that book that I wrote and, um, yeah, I really didn't like it. I gave it two stars, that book. And if, a line from my review is, first, I'm not a cat person.
2: Um. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So. so that's, that's what you're using to engage your- here. <laughs> well,
1: because they get into, like, all this shifter stuff and it's... I don't know. It's, it was a little strange. And... Yeah, I I totally get what they're saying with like too many things going on because um I felt that way about the first book as well. Um so I never picked up any more in that series because I really did not like the first book. Um but yeah, it's like Jessica said, um there's one series that you can avoid maybe if you don't like paranormal. Um that was my If you want a bonkers series if you haven't read those barbarian books ice planet barbarians they're crazy um but yeah i also maybe we need to start a thread on the group about bonkers books because i'm also i
2: also enjoy a good bonkers book every once in a while sometimes i just get in the mood for that like sometimes the old school ones are a little more bonkers just because they're they're like a gazillion like soap opera things going on yeah it's very true
1: Um, so again, that was Jason, Jessica, and Megan with the Shifters Unbound series. Mate claimed is the book that they were talking about for the most part. Um, so, you know, we, we love to hear from you guys, even when you don't like a book,
2: it's still enjoyable. Well, even because on this, this particular venue is supposed to be for just tell us what you think of a book and it doesn't have to be a love. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, next we have Jen S,
1: who just won the April drawing, and uh, what she's been reading. So let's hear from Jen.
20: Hi, No Yomaz, Jen here. I'm going to be talking about Rosalind Palmer Takes the Cake. It's the newest book by Alexis Hall, who wrote Boyfriend Material, which to me was the perfect book. I love that book so much. So, this was this has been very highly anticipated by me. It just came out May 18th. I uh, got the audiobook. It is definitely credit worthy to get the audiobook. Anyways, I'll give you a brief summary of the premise of the book. Uh, it's about Roslyn Palmer. She's a single mom, she's 27. And she's a clerk at a stationery store. Um, When she was in med school, she had an unplanned pregnancy and decided to drop out and raise her child, refusing her parents' help so she could stay in med school. She wanted to be there for her child. Her parents were doctors and was neglected a lot of the time, so that's what she chose. Now she's looking for something more in her life. So she tries out for the BBC show, Bake Expectations, and she earned a spot. At the show, she meets two men who are fellow contestants. One is educated, posh, and her parents would definitely love. The other is a sweet, shy electrician. So the book is basically about Rosalind's journey about figuring out what matters in her life and what road to take. Like, should she go back to med school? Should she forge something new? That's basically the premise of the book. So Boyfriend Material had was so funny. This is just like that. It has All the British wit, the great banter, plus you get great baking puns and baking show antics. Bread Week is especially good. Um, Also, you get all the great side characters that you come to expect in the Alexis Hall book. Uh, um, Rosalie's daughter, Amelie, she's hilarious. She's very intelligent and precocious. She's eight years old. Um, but she really steals a lot of scenes. And you have Lauren who is Rosalind's best friend and ex-girlfriend. Rosalind is bisexual. She she's a lot of fun too. Then they ha this book has a lot of all the contestants are fun and add to the to the comedy. Then you have the people who work on the show. The show's called Bake Expectations, but really it's the great British Bake Off. Um, so you, the host, the judges, and you have this tyrant producer. They're all played for comedy, and I imagine they'll all be back since there will be more books. This is It's called the Winter Bakes All Series, and I think there's going to be three of them overall i'd love this book if you're a fan of the great british Breakoff, off i think you'll love it too i wasn't crazy about the love triangle triangle trope but i understand why he used it so this is like a four and a half star read for me i highly recommend it i think you'll have fun thanks bye guys
1: thank you for that jen um just solely based on how much I loved Boyfriend Material, I have had my eyes on this one and
2: wanting to check it and out. And you love Great British,
1: and Bake-off. I love Great British Bake Off, so like I, I'm predisposed to enjoy this one. Um, so I will definitely check that one out again. It was Rosaline, Rosaline, Rosaline uh, Palmer takes the cake by Alexis Hall. Um, so thanks for that, Jen. Um, definite on definitely on my TBR. Um, Next, we have Cassie with uh, what she's been reading. So let's hear from Cassie.
21: Hey, Noyomos. This is Cassie. The book that I read for the free-for-all was Never Seduce a Scot by Maya Banks. I'm going to read the back cover description because I feel like it summarizes the book better than I could. Um, So it says, Eveline Armstrong is fiercely loved and protected by her powerful clan, but outsiders consider her touched. Beautiful with a level intent gaze, she doesn't speak. No one, not even her family, knows that she cannot hear. Content with her life of seclusion, Aveline has taught herself to read lips and allows the outside world to view her as daft. But when an arranged marriage into a rival clan makes Graham Montgomery her husband, Evelyn accepts her duty, unprepared for the delights to come. Graham is a rugged warrior with a voice so deep and powerful that his new bride can hear it, and hands and kisses so tender and skill that he stirs her deepest passions. Graham is intrigued by the mysterious Eveline, whose silent lips are ripe with temptation and whose bright, intelligent eyes can see into his soul. As intimacy deepens, he learns her secret, but when clan rivalries and dark deeds threaten the wife he has only begun to cherish, the Scottish warrior will move heaven and earth to save the woman who has awakened his heart to the beautiful song of a rare and magical love. So I gave this book five stars. I loved everything about it. I thought it was really well written. I've read a few of Maya Banks' um, books and I've liked all of them. I haven't continued in this series yet, but I am planning to. This was just a really enjoyable story. Um, There's some confusion at first about what is going on with Eveline because she allows everyone to believe that she isn't aware of what's going on. She has an accident at the uh, prior to the start of the story that causes her to go deaf, um, but her family and everyone else thinks that she is more impacted than she actually is. She teaches herself to read lips, um, and she can't hear anything, but her new husband's voice is so deep that she can feel the vibrations from it. Um, so she's very intrigued by him. And even before he knows that she's deaf and has the ability to communicate and can read lips and, you know, can kind of understand him, he's very protective of her. Um, He defends her against even people in his own clan. And it's very swoony. Um, I really enjoyed this book. It got me out of quite a bit of a reading slump. I was having a lot of three-star reads for a while, just nothing that I was really connecting with. And then I read this one and it was definitely a solid five-star read for me. I loved it. So if uh, Scottish Highland historical romances are your thing, I definitely recommend picking this up. Okay, looking forward to hearing everyone else's recommendations. Bye.
1: Thank you for that, Cassie. Um, yes, I have read that series, and there's like a few series. Uh, there's a couple other series I think that it's attached to that I've also read. Um, and I remember that book because I remember that description of the deaf girl. I have never read Amaya Banks. Uh, Maya Banks is pretty saucy, steamy usually. Um, I know her contemporaries are. Um, and. But yeah, I also, I gave that one, I, I don't remember exactly what I did and didn't like, but I gave it four stars, but that's pretty good for me. Um, so yeah, and I remember liking that premise a lot. Um, so again, that was Cassie with Never Seduce Scott by Maya Banks. And it's part of the uh, Montgomery's and Armstrong series by Maya Banks. Um, so I I would concur and tell Especially, I was telling mom, I'm like, I don't know how many, like, Highlander romances, like, you've read. I've read some. Have you? Okay. Um, But, yeah, I I enjoyed that one as well. Um, Okay, thanks, Cassie. And uh, next up we have Ava with what she's been reading. So let's hear from her.
22: Hi, Numos, Ellen, and Julie. My name is Ava, and I'm a newish listener. And this is my first time participating in the Free for All book report. But I have shared my perspective on several of the winter books. I'm going to cheat and review a series, London Celebrities, by Lucy Parker. I devoured all five books in less than 10 days, and I can't just pick one to review. And I know Mom and Ellen have already reviewed the first book, Act Like It, which features two actors in a fake relationship, which is one of my favorite tropes. The world that Miss Parker builds across these five books is what makes them so good. Each of these books follow London celebrities in the fields of live theatre, theatre-adjacent jobs, and journalism in and around London. For the sake of time, I'm not going into plot details for each book, but I am going to highlight elements that might entice others. I'll skip over Act Like It, since y'all have already reviewed it. So after Act Like It is Pretty Face, which features an actor and a theatre director. The trope here is an age gap. This usually turns me off, but the story is handled well. The hero is described as a Gregory Peck lookalike. And this book has garnered the strongest ratings on Goodreads. The third book is Making Up, which focuses on a heroine in the circus arts. Think Cirque du Soleil and a makeup artist. The tropes here are Second Chance Romance and Enemies to Lovers. The fourth book is called Austin Playbook and features a theater actor and a theater critic. This is a grumpy and sunshine trope and is primarily set in the countryside. This book has several plot points and twists and I recommend you read this book before the fifth as it provides background to the plot points and ties into the fifth book. This may eke out as my favorite but only slightly because I ended up giving most of these books five stars. The fifth book is Headliners which features competitive tv journalists forced to work together to save their jobs. This has an enemies to lovers trope. This has a little bit of a mystery in it as well and all of these stories seem to have a take on the sickbed trope, which was discussed in the Act Like It episode. Now, these are standalone books, but characters from previous books make cameos in future books, and vice versa, so there are some spoilers if you read them out of order. Personally, I think each book gets progressively better as Miss Parker's writing evolves. They are all filled with witty and sarcastic banter, several laugh-out-loud moments, and many swoony ones. Each book is a little longer than its predecessor and Miss Parker incorporates more details in her sex scenes with each couple. Also, I chose to listen to the series on audio because the narrators are excellent and I'm a sucker for a British accent. You may also enjoy these books if you like any of the following as these books rank several references. Harry Potter, Jane Austen, Agatha Christie, Sherlock Holmes, James Bond, classic literature, drinking tea and eating biscuits to soothe your problems, or are a self proclaimed Anglophile like myself. This may stem from my Commonwealth childhood growing up outside of the US. Lucy Parker recently announced that she is writing a sixth book in the London Celebrities series about a character that makes their debut in the Austin playbook. She has also got a new book coming out this August called Battle Royal in a brand new series. The London Celebrities series will be a reread for me, and I hope others find them enjoyable too. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for speaking, Ava. <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, yeah, Act Like It is the only one that I have read of that series. I've read all of them except the fifth one. The headliners. Yeah. Um, and you enjoyed them, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Um, yeah, it's just one that can't, I haven't gotten around to.
2: Too much of all... I remember the Cirque du Soleil chick, and I remember the um, uh, the Austin... Playbook one where they go to his mansion or his place to do the play. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed those books quite a bit.
1: Yeah, that's the book that we did with sister in law Kristen. With Kristen. Um, and, you know, where we had to like maybe own up to the fact that Kristen just doesn't like romance so much. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, we but, don't get it, but, you know, to get, each his own. Whatever. Um, but yeah, I think. I remember that we liked that one enough that you kept reading the series. Yeah, I did. Um, So thanks for that, Ava. And I'm sorry that I have been mispronouncing your name this whole time. Um, But uh, that was Ava with the London Celebrity Series by Lucy Parker. Um, So next up we have Arthur with what he's been reading. So let's hear from him.
23: Hey, Ellen and Mom, it's Arthur. I'm here to give my book report on The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. It focuses on Adeline De LaRue, a young woman who lives in France in the summer of 1714 and very much wants to escape the arranged marriage and the dull stifling life that's awaiting her. When she prays for salvation, a god comes to grant her immortality, however, this ends up coming at a cost. Everyone she meets is unable to remember her, so if she enters the room, talks to a stranger for a few minutes, leaves the room and then returns, the stranger wouldn't recall meeting her. If she goes home with somebody and to go to sleep and wake up the next morning, the other person would wonder what she's doing there. For the next 300 years, she travels the world and contends with her life of isolation, while the dark god with whom she made her Faustian deal remains a shadowy presence in the background, waiting for her to surrender her soul to him. The story unfolds in a non-chronological layout, so it alternates between Addie's past and her present, which takes place in New York City in 2014. That's where her life takes an interesting turn, and she ends up bumping into Henry, a bookstore clerk who is inexplicably capable of remembering her. When I read this book last year, I loved it so much that it ranked number 4 on my list of top 10 books of 2020. V.E. Schwab crafts everything so masterfully. The beautiful prose, the inventive and existential storytelling, the way it jumps back and forth between time periods, the casual queer representation, and the love letter it presents to art, human connection, and what it means for us to be remembered and to leave an imprint on history. It was a particularly appropriate book to read last year, during lockdown. While we're on the subject, I just wanted to mention a book I've heard about. Meet Me in Another Life by Catriona Sylvie, which apparently has been drawing invisible life comparisons and is on my TBR pile. So, that's my book report on The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. I'm eager to hear what everyone else recommends for the free for all. Thanks.
1: Thank you, Arthur.
2: That um, sounds very interesting. I mean, it is intriguing. I like the whole you know, time change thing and the... And, um, I'm looking, I
1: pulled it up on Goodread while Arthur was talking, and, um, yeah, it's got like four point three overall on Goodreads, which is that's really good. um, so I am intrigued and thank you for bringing it to our attention. Um again, that was Arthur with the invisible Life of Addie LaRue. um, okay, and we're down to the last one. So let's hear from Anne on what she's been reading. Um to to close us out.
9: A couple of weeks ago in my YouTube feed, Netflix had posted a trailer for an adaptation of The Last Letter from Your Lover. It caught my attention immediately because I recognized the author's name, Jojo Moyes, from the book Me Before You, which I have not read yet, but I've certainly heard about it from friends and I've seen it on bookshelves. Um, I think it's probably the work that Moyes is most recognized for The Last Letter from Your Lover was published in 2008, and it won the Romantic Novel of the Year Award in 2011. I know this is supposed to be a full book report, but I'm one of those people that like few details on the story and want it to be relatively vague when I hear the book recommendation. I just need the basics, with the most important thing for me to know is how much you, as the reader, enjoyed it. So here goes with my purposely light synopsis. There are two female protagonists both living in the uk a socialite from the 1960s and a modern day journalist set in the 2000s who becomes aware of this forbidden romance when she discovers a love letter in the newspaper's archives and she just needs to know how it all ended up for them and starts using her investigative skills to find out the story is slightly epistolary, and there is also a non-linear timeline factor even within one of the main storylines. There are only a couple of moderately steamy scenes. I actually think there's maybe two. Um, So by all means, this is something that you could easily recommend to those less accustomed to the romance genre. Um, Now the most important question, did I enjoy? I mean, I'm here recording a book report about it, so that should say something. But I did give it five stars, 4.5 to be accurate, um, on Goodreads, where I'm so surprised because it only has a 3.9 rating right now. Um, I think maybe not enough people have read it yet. Um, but I also read a couple, you know, uh, a number of hateful comments on it as well. And I I just don't get it. Uh, So please don't be dissuaded by that. I am so glad I didn't even look on there before I started it. I can't wait for the premiere on Netflix. It's scheduled for July 23rd. It features Felicity Jones and Shailene Woodley, and it it just looks fantastic. After I saw the trailer, I had immediately went to my Overdrive account and put it on hold. I was the next in line and got it maybe a couple days later. I recently looked on my library account, and the hold line for it is like 25 people now. I wanted to buy a copy as well, so I went on Thrift Books, but it seems like there isn't a lot of copies out there right now. Um, they just seems way overpriced, so I'm hoping maybe they'll do a mass market uh, paperback reprint on it, um, because when I do like a book, I, I like to have it on hand in case somebody asks me, and then I can just hand it off to them, um, but I'll definitely be reading another Jojo Moyes, um books. I just... Um, highly, highly recommend this, the last letter from your lover. So happy reading everyone. Thank you for that. Anne. um,
1: yes, I think we get similar, um, you know, YouTube recommendations. Yes,
2: <laughs> Cause I've seen the, that also.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think I showed that to you cause I, mom and I sometimes like we just get on a, let's catch up with all the movie trailers that have come out recently. And I'm pretty sure that we watched that one. in in that midst, um, but, yes, I also saw the trailer, and I was also intrigued, and I also knew that it was based on a Jojo Moyes book. I also have not read any Jojo Moyes, but I know that people really love her books. Um, It's kind of given me, like, a Guernsey vibe, slightly, with the, you know, mm-hmm. like, back and forth timeline, kind of two different
10: stories, stories
1: going, going on. on. But, you know, this got has a wider breadth of... Uh, I timeline um, so thank you for that Anne again that was Anne with The Last Letter From Your Lover by Jojo Moyes and yeah like she said the movie comes out in July so maybe if you want to if you're like me and you prefer to read the book before the movie maybe do that um, I don't know
2: that I'll get around to it because you Kate well runs. and I do get where she's coming from with not wanting to give away too much because I don't like to know anything about a book before I start reading it just mm-hmm. that it's it's liked yeah. And, um, and then for the podcast, it's just like, it doesn't make a difference because I have to read it anyway, so. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, I, and I like to kind of form my own opinion. I don't like even like to know what other people think about it. I like to just go into it and decide Yeah, what I feel. But yeah, I don't like to know. I don't even read back cover descriptions because I just want to go into it blind. Yeah. And I'm lazy. those yeah, so yeah. all those things.
1: All those things, <laughs> all those things combined. <laughs> um. Okay. So that was the free-for-all. Um, you guys delivered this time. Yeah, you guys really came through. And um, as always, we just had so much fun hearing from all of you. We love these episodes, and I know you guys do too. Um, we would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, which is Not Your Moms Facebook group our Goodreads group our Twitter and Instagram which are both at Not Your Moms Rom or you can email us at Not Your Moms Romance Book Club at gmail.com so if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts or if you would like just a book for us to read we'd love to hear from you next week we'll be taking a break week so you US people enjoy your Memorial Day weekend um hopefully you're having some fun in the sun um on june 7th we will be back and diving into our summer reading list with the first on deck the bride by julie garwood um remember you can subscribe on itunes google play stitcher spotify and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show and we just love to read them all right thanks mom Ellen, you're so welcome. And thanks to all of you. I was going to say, more than mom, thanks to all of you guys. Uh, well, not more than mom. No, definitely more than mom. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
2: Mom, Ouch.
1: Mom has not done anything for this episode. So thanks, um, guys. I read a book. Okay, bye. back. Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.